0: Tonight's show is brought to you by the Imperial Federalist Labor Party of Veloxi's Vixens. We're a fun, independent faction that's conveniently located near resource extraction sites, conflict zones, if we're lucky, and has excellent outfitting and shipyards. From mining to bounty hunting to smuggling and more, come to Townbow Station in Orcus and hang with Veloxi's Vixens today. <laughs>
1: I mean, let's be honest, guys. What does space game even mean? <laughs> I mean, let let's just talk oh about this god. for a second. Are, are we live?
0: What? Yes, now what we are. Does, what does that even mean? Yes, we're 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 live. Hi everyone, <laughs> and welcome. Oh my god, to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I as always am your co host Brian, and joining me as always is your co host Jim.
2: I am the Space Opera Man. Figaro. Yeah, cuz it's like Space Opera.
0: Wow. Right? That's a That was that's, that was
2: different. Wow. That's that's a, have, that's
0: a deep reach. That's a I have deep reach I
2: can do. You, I don't think yeah. ever
0: I don't know if everyone remembers Opera Man.
2: Oh my god. It's man. it's Fergie, man. Nippolo, 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 nippolo. do you, you, you know, you have no, to remember that it's one of the, the funniest. Sandler, th- it's yeah, it's oh one of God. the
0: funniest things Adam Sandler
2: it, has ever it done. Was, it was so freaking funny that I still remember it. I, I I can't say that I've seen it since, right? <laughs> but when that shit was live on TV, I I was crying. It was, and you know, Fergie was relevant at the time. So yes, exactly. You know, so the space uh, opera. What's what's that, that about? That, that that's what, the, our, what does that uh, even mean?
0: That's our co-host Jim, and then also joining us is your co-host Hunter.
3: Welcome to tonight's show. Uh, our sponsors are Jim, Jim, Jim. Do you have our sponsors?
2: Uh, that would be the letter N and the number three, which is how many joints I've smoked today.
3: Awesome! Wow, to you, Brian. No.
0: <laughs> we really need to do an NPR-style show at some point. If we could, like, it, we should we should study Terry Gross. And, and, and just do an NPR style show at some point. That'd be you, if, if you, we can do it. If we can do it.
2: Have you heard the stoner Sesame Street? Bit? I have not. The, yes, it's, okay. it's pretty amazing. <laughs> it's like brought to you by the letter three and the number J.
0: <laughs> well, folks, uh, uh, all right, a couple of quick little housekeeping things. One, Uh, This is the first podcast in which I'm using Push to Talk. I have finally been convinced to use Push to Talk after much ribbing. And so uh, I might forget to turn it on. So uh, just FYI, in case uh, there's a moment of silence or two, it might be me forgetting to push these buttons. So just an FYI. Second, uh, from now on, I'm going to try something different, uh, see if it works. Uh, Instead of playing the game live on the show, because I think that has made me a lesser host, I am go- I am going to show some pre-recorded footage I did before the show. Um yes, cracker. Hello. Too much sexy breathing into the microphone. That's exactly why I'm doing Push to Talk. Thank you. You you nailed it. Um so the sexy right- breathing <clears throat>
2: will be available to Patreon members.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, we're actually going to soon start doing a pre-show to Patreon members only. We're going to be recording uh, everything beforehand, actually, I don't know, but we're gonna. We, it's a thought we're trying. We're thinking we're gonna maybe- do the
2: after show, but so many guests just bolt at the end, and then, so we got to get them before they know what's up.
0: We we don't do mean, ti- we don't do tears in the Kickstarter. I mean not, the Patreon. Not, so not, not yet. We'll do tears
3: yeah, eventually, perhaps.
0: Maybe I don't know. You I mean, th- like never-
2: River of Tears.
0: Yes. <laughs> Trail
2: Laugh Game. Um, yeah, you co- come to Space Game Junkie for Kickstarter tears and. <laughs>
3: So many tiers of Kickstarter. I have uh, have someone I want to talk about right now. Speaking of tiers and Kickstarter, hey, Chris Roberts, come here. Sorry, moving on. Anyway, so folks, we do have a guest
0: this week uh, joining us. Welcome back. Uh, Joining us. Sorry, I'm losing it already. Uh, You're in New Orleans, right? Am I remembering that correctly?
1: Almost. Lafayette, two hours west of New Orleans.
0: Oh, I almost... Almost got it right. Joining us again, it's been what about a year? Almost? Just about a year. Yeah, yeah. just about a year. Uh, Happy Nicholas, anniversary. Thank you. Well, Nicholas thank you. Laborde, oh, I don't know if that was us. Founder and chief storyteller of Rock and Tour Games. You're close.
1: You're close, Brian. I appreciate what,
0: it. What is it? What is it? Rock and Tour. Rockin', rock and Tour. yes yeah, it like depends you, on how It's, it's like we we're on a out.
2: rock and tour, man. <laughs> <laughs> or a raccoon tour.
1: You know what? That works.
2: Yeah, like rockin' uh,
0: tour, rockin' tour.
1: Depends okay. on how formal you want to sound. But
2: yeah, we made all the racketeer jokes last time <laughs> that he was here. Yeah, we did. So I we think, can't I, use those this time. I think
0: we did. So, uh, so yeah, we're we're gonna be talking about close order in just a second. But first, the news. Ding 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 ding. So, what do you? I just want to throw something out there. What do you guys feel about this news segment? I kind of feel it's like a speed bump. You know, like I think the idea of doing the news is good, but it's like we have a guest, but before we talk about their thing,
2: Let's
3: talk no, about we should, other make, people's we should
2: make the guests talk about the news and make sure yeah. that they're no, all on current events. No, well, no. I, I, this is
3: the, my thought about it. Is though, is it's cool because there's there there are a lot of current events when it comes to gaming and especially with space gaming because of the growing trend of space gaming. I, th- I think it'd be interesting to get you know I, our guests' opinion on some of these news stories too. You know, just kind of okay. So Seeing we'll keep, where their thoughts are.
0: Okay, we'll keep it as is. We'll see how it flows. Because this, prog- this podcast is a work in progress, my friends. So, you know, we're always trying every to make it better. Every week. Every week. It's a, it a work it of is, art. It is an experiment. It, 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 is, it, is a, uh, it is performance art every week. It's like, remember uh, Big Lebowski? His landlord had that, uh, that that show they wanted him to go to, so he cut his rent back.
2: And it was him in a the theater. Remember oh, yeah, that? interpretive dance. Yeah, That's it's it. it's so,
0: like every every show is that guy doing that dance. That's, that's how I, so, so it's this.
2: not space opera. It's space interpretive dance.
0: Yes. With maybe a little bit of, um, of, uh, what, what was that? What's that dance where, uh, Michael Flatley, Lower the dance. What is that kind of dance called? Is there, there's a name for it. I can't remember.
3: That it would be river that. dance. The, the,
0: river the, dance. the, the Irish you. jig dance. Yes. That, that, so, uh, so before we get into close order, let's talk some news. And there's actually quite a bit this week. I mean, it's a lot of little things, but it's a couple of bigger things. First off, uh, you guys may remember the game Galaxy Heist had a Kickstarter, I think, last year.
2: I think it was last year. Nope.
0: Well, they did, and it failed. So now...
2: <laughs> Maybe that's why I don't know about them.
0: Yeah. So now they're taking donations for their game. Uh, and if you want to pay, uh example, if you want to pay 14 pounds, um, you can get into their alpha, which will be this summer. And this game is like a cool, like, ship flying, boarding, first person thing. Uh, and remember, guys, all the news links will be in the show notes. So um, don't, don't worry if you missed anything. But uh, so, yeah, for 14 pounds, you can get uh, the, uh, access to the alpha but there are other tiers as well. Uh so but so, so this point. is
3: interesting. So it's like they're running their own in-house Kickstarter.
0: Yeah, they I believe they call this alpha funding and uh that's pretty much what they're doing. A lot of developers go the go this route as a plan B or C if a if a crowdfunding uh endeavor fails. And it it can work like like uh Starbound. That's what they did. They did a pre-order Type
3: alpha funding thing, and it worked very well for them. So, it, well, I mean, if you think about it, though, it's almost like a digital deluxe edition, or you know, something like that, where if you you pay more money, you get more stuff.
0: Well, yeah, for for example, for ninety nine pounds, and guys, they only have four of these left. You can design an area of space with the dev team. That's actually kind of cool. That is kind of neat, actually. Uh, all right, the next piece of news. Oh, yeah. Uh, remember Stars in Shadow? We had them on a couple of months ago?
3: Yeah, that was yep. a pretty fun game.
0: Yeah, they got picked up by Iceberg, so good on them. Oh, Yay. well, good for them. That's yeah. pretty awesome. I mean, we kind of love Iceberg, because they pick up all these quirky space games, even if some of them suck. They 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 hit more, they hit more <laughs> like, than they uh, miss.
3: you know, close order. <laughs> uh,
0: that's not Iceberg, but... Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, we will Ladies ahead. and
2: gentlemen, the beatings have commenced. <laughs> and the, and the, <laughs> And Nicholas, don't
0: hesitate to uh, to chime in on these news pieces if you want to. We don't I'm mind. I'm just if-
2: really distracted
1: by this issue you found. <laughs> I'm watching the stream.
0: Oh, okay. And you can see we'll, how... We'll talk about that. And and I'm only mildly
1: writhing in pain as this is broadcast. It's okay. I'm,
0: I'm sorry. <laughs> it's it, it scaled oddly, and I couldn't do anything about it.
2: <laughs> so...
0: Yeah, I, I'm the picking the up
2: all n- these rings, right? I feel like Sonic. Like, if I get hit, do the rings all like fly out? Do you do pick
1: do do do. up a ring? Are we still hang talking on. about news, or are we talking about oh, me now? I'm well, so hang
0: on, we got a f- couple more news pieces. Let's let's jump. us and then let's jump in uh, another piece. Iceberg related, the dawn of Andromeda Forex is now taking applications for their closed beta. That looks pretty cool. We haven't gotten them on the show yet, but we hope to at some point.
3: Yes, that does look like a pretty uh pretty stellar game. Yeah, then
0: uh oh, ooh, this is really exciting. Tomorrow, as we record this, uh the 29th of April, Everspace will release its first closed alpha and folks, you can get in on this if you want. I think until May, I think you can uh buy into the closed alpha and oh my god, I'm excited cuz I kickstarted at the alpha level. So, I am super duper Super duper excited about that one oh beautiful looking game, oh my God, oh my God. Yeah. so excited, so beautiful, not as good as close order <laughs> <laughs> and I guess maybe the biggest news of the week is that hey, new expansion for Eve called Citadel, and yes, it's kind of fascinating, uh, it's not going to get me to play again, right, but well, um well, oh hunter, you still you still do you remind
3: me, do you still play or? or uh, very very rarely i mean uh i you're, follow you are still you're still an active subscriber though i am currently yes i i uh i follow i follow eve pretty closely because it just just conceptually even if you don't play it conceptually it's interesting and a lot of people and a lot of gamers will even tell you about it cuz i mean anytime there's like a big war outbreak just reading about the different propaganda and the different things that these players do not just in the game, but like in real life uh, to each other, like releasing YouTube videos of propaganda stuff and all these things. It's just quite fascinating. And even if you don't like playing the game, uh, their their cinematics, their their trailers that they put out are, are some some of the best I've ever seen.
0: Oh, absolutely. I, and the, 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 tra- the trailer for the Citadel was like, wow, I would play that game if that's how it actually
3: if if it, <laughs> if it was yeah if it was that game but yeah cuz uh, the the citadels expansion is is a is a pretty interesting expansion because they're releasing uh new um uh i guess you could call them like stations but they're but they're massive in size right they are um some some of the st- some of these citadels that players will be able to actually build can dock Titans in them, and never before have you been able to actually physically dock a Titan within within a station or player-owned or any anything. Uh, the only place you could actually store a Titan was in the shield of like a, a large um, player-operated station. It was just in the shield, but you could still see it. This. Is the first time you can actually dock a Titan, so that's a that's a that's a pretty big deal. I
0: think my favorite thing about this expansion is, guys, there's a base called the Palpatine base, and and it's the biggest base, citadel you can create. It takes a massive amount of resources, and there's only one allowed in the entire universe at any
2: one time. And can it smite planets with a death ray? <laughs> No, but uh,
3: the Citadels do have something that's equivalent to, uh, I guess, what you would call like a doomsday uh, device, and it can uh, wreak havoc on several uh, capital ships all at the same time.
0: Yeah, it, 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 I mean, what I read in the trailer, it looks really, it all looks really impressive. Oh, uh, Eric corrected me, thank you, in the chat that, uh, going back to Everspace, uh, the closed Alpha buy-in ends uh, April 30th. So that is
2: uh, that's Tomorrow.
0: Saturday. No, it's Saturday, right? Uh, yeah, it's Saturday. Saturday so, is 28th. So um, this will probably go live on Friday the 29th. So and how much
2: t- is it to buy in?
0: Oh, um, I don't remember. Hang on.
2: One million dollars.
0: It's not that I'm much. I'm sorry. I only play space
1: games that have massive online battles being bankrolled by illegal casinos.
3: <laughs> wow. <laughs> Speaking of EVE Online... So, uh, yeah, that's the other interesting thing about Citadels, right? Because Citadels is is uh, definitely more in-game content, right? And, um, it, you know, it's, it's one of those things where uh, you're probably not going to see one unless you're part of one of these big, huge, massive, uh, you know, alliances or coalitions, so or to speak.
0: St- or you're stupid enough to get close to one. Uh, just real quick. Yeah. No, sorry, just real quick, the buy into the alpha for Everspace, just to throw this out there, is sixty euros.
2: Nice. Wow. Sorry, sorry, go
0: ahead. I just want to get that's that. That's
2: expensive. But that okay. is pretty expensive. Yep. That is so, not what I was expecting.
3: So anyway, go check out,
2: out this order
0: e for five dollars.
3: Oh, there we go. <laughs> there it is. Why play that wow. when you can play this? <laughs> So, yeah. Why, why play that uh, then when you can play this now? So, yeah, you know, just for five I hours. mean, just weigh in your options. So, yeah,
0: the, the game we're talking about tonight, now the news is done. Thank you for indulging us, folks. Yeah, we're oh, Wait, trying are we done?
2: Wait, wait. No, with the news. God, there's news. The that news. was
0: the news. That was the news. Oh,
2: okay. So we shouldn't talk about the beating that Falling Stars War of Empires is taking on Steam because That's not they, really they released at 30 bucks. And I think that's what's killing them. Okay. Should
0: have been five,
2: like close order.
0: That's not really news. It's a great price. Uh, It's not really really news. (laughs) And also, it's kind of, I don't know. I mean, we should play it and give it a chance. Okay, so we
2: should talk about 3030 Death War being released on Steam. That's something that's exciting. That's
0: exciting. By the way, today, 3030 Death War, real quick, guys, 3030 Death War redux, redo, redo. Uh, wow,
3: friends! Stop
0: that. Sorry, uh, came out today. It's the re, uh, it's the re-envisioned version of a re-envisioned version of a 2007 top-down escape velocity type game with adventure gamey elements that look like Indiana Jones uh, adventure games from LucasArts back in the 80s. It's a great game, you guys. I actually did a video of the previous version, the pre-redo version, um, the,
2: the free version. The the free version. Because this one's nine bucks and it's worth it. it. But if you want to dip your toe in it, then go get the free version off itch.io and fool around with it. And then you'll be like, oh, yes, I must give them my money. And then you will.
0: Right, exactly. So, uh, yeah, that came out today and I've already put an hour into it already. You know what what it's better than? Elite Dangerous. Yes.
2: You know why? (laughs) Because it's actually got like, npcs on the stations that you talk to like whenever you have to dude it it is elite dangerous in 2d it is exactly what that game is so you go dock at a station and first off it has passenger missions second whenever you carry a, a package to a station you actually walk in the bar and look for the guy and hand him his damn package wow concept right you know stuff anyway do go on
0: yeah, and I like how your character is actually holding a package in his hand as he's walking. It's a big package. It's it's a big, yeah, but it's it's really just, it's really adorable. So that's uh eight ninety nine, I think, on sale right now. But the game we're here to talk about tonight, after 17 minutes, is uh, <laughs> Close Order from, I'm not going to try to say the name of your company again. <laughs> Raconteur Games. Thank you, because I, I can't say it apparently very well. Apparently, I'm, I'm East Coast, so I say things wrong. According to my girlfriend. Um I thought you were in California. I'm I live in California, but I'm from Philadelphia. Oh, okay. So I say Nevada, which she hates. Um but anyway. Uh so we're gonna talk about your game. We talked about it a while ago and it was it was it, it was it was kind of a concept back then, but it wasn't really a game, really. I mean it had kind of the basics going, but now you actually have missions and you actually have objectives. So uh, tell us, give us kind of the journey between then and now that brought you to where the game is today.
2: And don't stop believing because I love Journey. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> so everything
1: that brought me to this moment to find the one bug we didn't get. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, folks, if you're watching the stream or if you watch the video, I'm playing this at 1080p, uh, you'll notice, but... For some reason, the uh, game area itself did not scale properly. I'm not sure why that, that windowed? is. No, full okay. screen, and it's it's just it's just acting weird.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I guess I'll start off with that. So long story short, um, after we got on the Space Game Junkie podcast, the following evening we were green lit. So I'm not saying that Space Game Junkie has the power to uh, change products, but I'm just going to leave that out there.
2: This just in. Also, power of Grayskull. (laughs) You go on.
1: So after that, it was basically, it became a huge hustle because that was the end of June last year. We spent about six more weeks getting a couple levels ready for early access. We launched an early access back in August, and we learned a lot. So when the game originally came out, uh, we had this grand idea that story in a level, in a shmup, would be great. And uh it didn't quite work out that way. And people told us that. And we had a community that was very constructively... Uh, what's the word? Constructively critical of everything that we were doing, and really helped us work through to figure out our bugs, make the game much better, and and I'm saying all this right as I look at this horrible scaling bug. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and from there we built missions, we... Uh, at one point, we actually had to streamline and redesign major parts of the game entirely because we figured out that stopping the level to tell a story in a shmup was probably not one of the best decisions we ever made. So we decided, you know what, let's fix it. You know, Some people would just say, oh, we've already put so much time into this, but not at Rackenture. We said, well, the community said this is what we need to do. So we listened to the community, we made the game better, and through about five months of early access, we improved the game, completed it, added all the extra content, And in January, we launched. And then that brings us to the fun stories. So, would you guys like me to explain the scaling issue?
0: Yes, please.
1: (laughs) Alright, so uh, when you look at something for just such a long time, when you've worked on something for over two years, there just comes a point where you, you don't think about everything and you don't... Uh, you can't find every issue possible because you're just exhausted, and there's only so much outside input you can get in so many circumstances. So the thing that every game developer experiences when they launch a game, no matter how big, how small, what platform, is that... Tons of people are going to play your game in tons of contexts, on tons of hardware and operating systems that you just never even imagined would happen, but they do. And of course, that's going to be the person that complains to you and tells you, hey, it's not running on my system. You know, all this is happening all that wonderful stuff. So we had a lot of issues at launch. And I'm proud to say that, except on the resolution Brian is playing at... <laughs> All of them were resolved.
0: Which so is 1080p. We... It's not like some weird <sighs> resolution. Are you it's sure? 1080p. I don't believe you. You know, <laughs> I know it's 1080p. Liar! <laughs> I'm telling you the truth! No, um, no it, it was 1080p, and that's the only option the launcher gave me, because you're running Unity, right? We are. Is that So is that your native desktop background? Yep. You know oh. what? I wonder if it's a thing. Okay, here's the thing. I'm running this thing from StarDock called Fences, and do you know what that is? I'm not familiar. No, Fences wouldn't do it. I'm not. You know what? Fences has caused some weird recording issues via OBS for me. Like if I used, like with Starflight, for example, which is I know a 30 year old game, but with OBS, I had to run it windowed with like a browser in the background because the the fences stuff would actually make in OBS the um the uh the uh the, the like part of the window jump up so this was in the game itself though not in not just in uh open broadcaster software but I'm wondering could that have something to do with it
2: I'm uh, honestly I don't not Let sure me get on the phone
1: <laughs> I'm gonna say that that's your issue and we'll leave it there
0: <laughs> I, I'm, just throwing, I'm just giving you as much information as possible. I'm just running on an NVIDIA, like, 770, you know, just 1080. Nothing special. <laughs>
1: That's interesting. Well, funnily enough that we should bring this up, uh, I'll own it. So, whenever we launch, one of those issues I was talking about that we just didn't think about or we didn't encounter, oddly enough, in early access, uh, a week before launch, I realized that we didn't have final UI, which is always great for your fully launching game in a week. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll just find somebody. So we found somebody, and we got our final UI that you can see on the main menu and when you select all the levels in the uh, hub world. And uh turns out none of it was scaled when we launched the game. We thought it was, but because we had to make that last-minute change, which was totally my fault and I completely own it, uh, there was no scaling at launch, so on the first day, we were bombarded with feedback saying, oh, I can't even hit the play to start the first mission, and uh, people who managed to get in like couldn't select their minions, and they couldn't actually build their fleet, so they couldn't play the game, and we had lots of other fun issues, too. We actually had a memory leak um, in the launch build. Now, are you all familiar with uh, how memory leaks work?
0: Uh, You know, I I know of them, but I've never been clear on how they work. I'm familiar with how they screw things up. Yeah,
1: there we go. (laughs) So basically, a memory leak is the worst issue a game can ever have because it is caused by an extraordinarily specific thing that you have to pinpoint. And it's like a specific line of code or a specific issue or file in, you know, a game with 20,000 lines of code like close order. It can be very, very hard to pinpoint where it's coming from. So we had to spend a week combing through all of the game systems and files and everything, including the scripts and everything that ties the game together to find our memory leak. Because as it turns out, when we launched the game... Every minion, every little ship that you add to your fleet added two megabytes of RAM usage, and it never freed it up. And in a game where you can build, <laughs> in a game where you can build forty ships and lose them in a second, <laughs> that that posed a few issues. Oh, so we had God. that's actually
3: impressive, to be honest. Yeah, with
1: you. right. Like we were, we were almost in like a sadistic way. We're like, man, this is. We just need to preserve this. This is just so beautifully terrible. <laughs> But we fixed it. We fixed the resolution scaling. I guess uh, Brian's computer in particular, we didn't scale for that one.
0: So, and, wait, you didn't scale for 1080?
1: No, no, we did scale for 1080 because I run 1080 and it works on my computer. So, I don't believe you, Brian. Hey,
0: I'm going to try it again right now. <laughs>
1: uh oh. He's actually challenging me. Nah. Uh, and legitimately, I have no idea what could cause your issue. But uh, Brian's case aside, we fixed our resolution and user interface scaling. We fixed the memory leak, which took a while, but we figured it out. We fixed a ton of bugs. My favorite bug in particular was one that didn't actually allow you to start the first mission. Because when you click to new game or to start your game, etc., you get this little black screen and some text pops up and it would fade into the level. Well, for like 50% of people, for some odd reason, it wasn't fading into the level so you couldn't start the game, and uh, we don't actually know what the problem was or how we fixed it. We did. So, it took a little while, uh, probably two weeks after launch, we we stabilized the game and everything was good to go. In March, we released our 1.1 update, which had controller support, a ton of bug fixes, and some gameplay balancing issues in the first mission. And here we are. Close order is the best it ever was, with the exception of this one issue. <laughs> In this one circumstance that we happen to find tonight.
0: Um, so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> someone just someone just tried to fast forward. Why would you try and fast forward us, Shibby man? Are you are we boring you? Um, so yeah, I'm not sure. I, I just tried it again, and even in the menu, it's just, it does that weird blocky thing where it's not the whole screen. It's not even centered. I'm not sure what's going on. Um, if there's anything I could send you, like a log or anything, let me know. But um, so f- folks might have not heard the last episode, so why can you give us like a quick, like bullet pointed, like history of the game from start to now, real quick.
1: Yeah, sure. Okay, so we started development in December 2013. It was a prototype with two colors and a bunch of squares. The idea was that you were a center ship, and you could uh, create more units around you called minions, which allowed you to build this fleet, and you could move them around and all kind of stuff like that. So we spent all of 2014 and all through 2015 building this game. Uh, some high points were, it originally was 2D, and we brought it into 3D, so it does have that it's three-dimensional, but you're stuck on one plane, which everybody either loves or hates, and is always fun to get feedback about. Uh, we feel that it preserves that kind of old arcade style, but in a modern twist, and some other interesting tidbits along the way. Phil Spencer, the head of Xbox, actually played our game and thought it was pretty cool. He even let us use his quote uh, to bark at the game, which was really, really awesome. And then, not long after that, we came on the Space Game Junkie podcast, and well, the rest was history. So, the idea behind Close Order is that you—it um, is a badass game where you, man, I'm butchering the marketing line. I haven't had to do this for like two months, and on the Space Game Junkie podcast, I choked up. It's an arcade shooter
2: with one simple
1: goal, become a badass armada. There we go.
0: Yeah, so this is uh, all running in Unity. Which version of Unity are you running this in?
2: It is Unity
1: 5.
0: Okay, and um,
2: And Phil Spector played this game and did not die. So <laughs> you should run out and buy it now Is that, is that Just call him Phil Spector Yeah, it's Phil Spector
0: Wait, no, wow. is, isn't Phil Spector the record producer?
2: I think so, yeah What's his name?
0: Wait, are you talking about the Xbox guy?
2: No, that's Phil Warren Spencer. Spector Spencer, oh, I'm oh. sorry I got him and Warren Spector mixed up, no, anyway, Phil, okay, Phil Spector was
0: Phil Spector was the legendary. Uh, was a R and B and Motown record producer yes. in the seventies, I believe, sixties and seventies. Anyway, true. uh Centauri, I can't Centaurian Mud Pig in the chat. I think I'm reading that right. Wants to know what's the inspiration for Close Order?
1: Well, That is a great question. So, How many beers? The- <laughs> well, seventeen. If I had to be honest.
3: That's a pretty exact number.
1: <laughs> oh, this is my favorite podcast. I've said it like 17 times, right? Oh, goodness. We are okay. so flattered.
2: Once for each beer. <laughs>
1: All right. <so> seriously, <laughs> answer the question now. So, our Close Order was just kind of inspired by a lot of things. Uh, I like to jokingly call it the mup. Because it's a mashup and a shmup and nobody ever gets the joke. And then I silently laugh to myself because I think it's so brilliant and nobody's ever thought it was. So the idea was we just wanted to blend together a bunch of ideas, but kind of in a way that could revitalize that feeling you had of old school arcade shooters like Galaga. The uh, Was it the bonus level where you got the extra ship attached to yours and you uh, your fleet was like double the power? That's kind of the main thing that we looked at, and we were like, well, what, if you could, what if you could build a game out of that where you, you know, it was modern and 3D, and you could multiply and have this fleet around you, and move them around, and unlock more ships, and, you know, do all this customization so that you could build this own fleet your way, and it's quick. So it's not like you have to put Ten hours of gameplay to unlock all the ships. You know, you play our game for like an hour, and you'll probably unlock most of the stuff in the game. The idea was it just was going to be something really succinct and really uh, small scale, with a, just a different kind of idea of mashing up a bunch of different gameplay styles.
0: Yeah, and 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 the fleet mechanic is really nice. Now, how now, how much work did it get? Did it take to get Unity to do everything you wanted? Because I mean, it, it seems at at one, it seems at the same time simple and complex because you're creating all these different ships that do these different things that are slave to your ship, and they all have to do their specific thing at the right time, which sounds complicated.
1: It is extraordinarily complicated and. Uh, I'll never forget when we onboarded our, who is now our lead programmer, he took one look at the formation editor, which is the grid that allows you to move your ships around, and he said, that is the most complicated piece of code I have ever seen. It's, it's a lot of moving pieces, so uh, I can't even begin to explain them in a logical way, but the best way I could describe them is everything has to feed into each other. So it was, and especially a game that's kind of complex in this sense, was kind of very difficult to make as our first game, but we did it anyway. So if you think of everything, so there's, think about it this way, there's the player ship, right? So you have the player ship, you can shoot, you can move around. Well, wait, you have to be able to access the shot menu. So that's directly attached to the player ship. So any issues there, can become connected so an issue with player movement might mess up the shop window and then the formation editor is also tied to both of those so you get an issue there that could mess up your ability to buy something and oh wait you buy a ship and it's appearing on a slot that doesn't exist so uh, to put it simply there's a lot of back-end systems that were very very hard to polish up and nail down to get them to do exactly what we wanted them to do there's just so many weird bugs that we've had throughout development like ships that would just spawn and spin around and cause you to spin uncontrollably that almost made someone throw up like (laughs) a lot of interesting stories
0: uh we have another question from i'm not gonna try and say his name again uh what is the size of your dev
3: team centurion mud pig
1: for some reason, every time I hear that name, I just think of the, the educated peasant from the beginning of Monty Python.
0: Thank
3: you.
1: <laughs> for
3: some I
0: reason. I don't know why I think of Clash of the Titans. I don't know why. <laughs> the, the original one with Ham- Harry Hamlin, not whatever the new one is, the original.
1: Suspicious women handing out swords is no basis for a system of government. To directly answer the question, Uh, I'll laugh at all my own jokes. That'd be great. It's great. (laughs) It's amazing. Uh Thank you. Thank you. Uh, No, the size of our team, our core team is about six people. And we have some extra outside uh, contractors that we use a lot. So uh, the wonderful Abe Kasim did our artwork for our cinematics. And I love his art style. It's great. We have um, the sound effects were actually all edited and found by me. And we have a composer who also helps us on the side. So if you count the extra people who pitched in as well, it's probably closer to about eight to 10 people. But our core team every day working on stuff is five or six people.
0: Uh, so, so how many people worked on this one? So
1: with close order, let me think. Personal shout out to everybody on the team. Myself, Alex, David, Sander, Ari, and Bo. So six core people on the team. Also, all of our 3D models in this game were made by one person. His name is Bo, and he's great. We love you, Bo. Thank you. <laughs> we had
0: one artist. Yeah, I actually kind of like the art. It's kind of for for some reason it reminds me of an '80s cartoon.
1: You know what? That's actually something that I've thought about too, and I didn't know if anyone would ever actually see it that way. So it makes me happy. You got us, Brian.
0: Yeah, like like I think of Star Raiders or G Force when I see this stuff. So it, it it does it it does hit that that kind of sweet spot of uh, of graphicalness. Now, one thing I do like about the game. Is how tight it's the only the,
1: thing you liked
0: no 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 no, no. Um, i 'm just trying to you know ask a bunch of stuff um I do like how tight the controls are like how how much work went into making the controls so just uh, I, I guess responsive I
1: would honestly say great question, thank you for that um Honestly, I think that was the hardest design thing to get down. So it wasn't on a technical end. It wasn't very difficult to make the controls the way that they are. But figuring out the way that we wanted to do them as they currently are and uh, in the full game as you play, uh, it took a lot of iteration. Man, we we went a really, really long way. One of my most interesting things, and uh, the programmer who Close order was kind of his baby. His name is Alex. Uh, he was the one that came up with the initial prototype. When we first took the game into 3D, we had sort of like a crosshair that he called the firing arc and uh, for a, a decent period of development you actually, it didn't control like an FPS, like, so you didn't turn whenever uh, you move the mouse instead you had this little firing arc that would uh you could move at like a 45 degree section of the screen and all the shots from the ships would go in that direction and at one point the minions would actually turn with the firing arc and that was the coolest thing but uh it was it was a challenge to get the controls down to where they are now because in that iteration which was the closest to what we have now um you didn't turn with the mouse, which now just feels like, man, we, we ever didn't turn with the mouse and everything was done with the keyboard. And then the mouse was purely to guide your shots and stuff like that. So, um, the first build I ever played that was in 3d had the most atrocious controls ever I think zero was to open the formation editor there was no mouse support you had to like hold zero and press f while holding it and using like the arrow keys to move the ships around it was it was awful but you know that's how games are when they first uh, start out so to directly answer your question I guess it took a lot and a lot and a lot of iteration and feedback and testing to get the controls and have everything sort of smoothly integrated like they are now, because even up to, you know, I'd probably say three months before we started unveiling the game, so June of last year, we were still working on controls and tried to just tighten it up and make it a really, really fun experience.
0: And, and you have, now one thing, another thing I like that, um, it's, it's not to have the controls, but I like the different currencies, like I like that certain ships in your fleet cost a certain amount of red or, um, or green or blue because they do different things. Like one's defensive, one's offensive, and one's like utility, I think. Or like a special, right? The blue uh, one, I think. I think.
1: I think we call it mixed,
0: if I recall okay. correctly. <clears throat> okay. Now, how did you come up with that currency system? Was that a way of making sure that the player didn't buy like a billion ships uh, and yes. o- overpower themselves?
1: Yeah, so that, that's the idea behind it. We actually had a system before the currency system that was awful. <laughs> it was, uh, <laughs> it's the reason that we call it parts, because I was so set in my ways that I didn't want to not call them parts. But uh, basically, in the earlier versions of Close Order, each of those currency pickups that you had, um, that you pick up after you kill enemies, it was just a part. So there were like four or five different kinds of parts, and the parts would stack in like an inventory At the bottom of your screen and you would had to have a specific combination of parts to make the minion that you wanted so it almost sounds really cool because hey it's like a crafting system that's really cool but it ran into a lot of problems when we tested it because for example people would just pick up a bunch of parts and mash uh the button to build which was like right click at the time and so they would just go kill things like struggle to kill things and then get three parts and then Click, 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 click. click. Oh, that didn't make a minion. Let me go kill something else. Click, click, click. Oh, that's not the one I wanted. Let me let that die. So it was originally going to be sort of like a more in-depth crafting system with like little menus to describe what to craft and like this whole inventory of parts you could store up and move around. But we found that it just wasn't as fluid and intuitive as the system that we um, eventually came up with, which is the currency system, which is far easier to understand.
0: Yeah, that that that's what I really like. I think that's one of my favorite things about the game is um the efficiency of it. Like I really like the currency system, but I also like the um how easy it is to pick ships for your fleet with the radial menu and how easy it is to manipulate them in the fleet screen cuz I mean, with a game like this, you got to be moving fast. You know, you don't want to be and you don't want to pause the action too long. Um so I really like how much work was put into making the interface uh, so usable.
1: Well, thank you. That's actually one of the design philosophies we had to embrace from the very beginning, because I remember there was one point where we, I don't remember what it was we were trying to add, but we wanted to mess with something with the formation editor. And I told the team and I said, you have to think everything in context of will this allow the player to spend less time in the editor or the shop window, etc., etc. Cuz with a fast-moving game, like I said, there were still some things that we did that, you know, looking back didn't make sense for a shmup, but that may have taken too much time away from the player and their goals and what they're doing. So, with a fast-paced game, you have to be able to efficiently move through menus and quickly be able to organize your fleet and do what you need to do.
0: Yeah, and it works great. Now, one thing I ran into is um it's hard. It's 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 difficult. I couldn't get past the first mission after <laughs> multiple attempts. <laughs> now is that because I suck or is it meant to be challenging?
3: It's a
1: combination of both, I'm sorry.
0: That's fine. No, I I <laughs> I, I am not the I love games, but I'm not the best at them.
1: <laughs> so it, it was intentional. So one thing that we got like loud and clear Uh, during early access was that some of the missions were too hard And we scaled down tremendously. We reordered some missions to better reflect the difficulty curve. We uh, reduced the damage of some enemies. We took out a lot of uh, volume of enemies on certain levels to make it easier. But one thing that we were pretty adamant about was in that first level that you were kind of struggling with, that kind of has to be the point where it's really difficult for the first time. Because if you don't truly grasp the fleet mechanics and you somehow make it past that level, then you're going to struggle even more with all the other levels. So um, if you aren't super quick, and honestly, I'm going to chalk this up up to not being able to get the most powerful minions you had at the time because of the scaling issues. Um, it, it was intentionally a little difficult out of the gate, just so that it, it's almost like the Super Meat Boy philosophy. Like, if you can't do it this way, then you won't be able to do it any other way, so we're going to make sure you, you suffer it first so that you can enjoy it later on.
0: Uh, we have another question from a uh, Centurion Mudpig. What characteristics does the minions add to your fleet? So I guess he's asking, like, what are some of the different types of minions you can add to your fleet? And there, there's quite a bit of variety. Yes, I don't remember
1: the final number that we shipped with. Um, I'm still waiting for the day that someone figures out how to to manipulate the save files in the game, because it's kind of laughably easy. But I think we shipped with a dozen total uh, minions that you can add to your fleet. You start out with two, and based on playing through levels and completing levels and getting more minions in the middle of some levels, uh, you, you unlock close to a dozen, I believe is the final number. So there's a lot of different kinds. Uh, I always liked the Arbalest, which is the, uh, Basic one, or is it the caliber? I don't actually remember what it's called, but it's the basic kind of um, space invaders, schmuppy little ship that just shoots like two shots straight forward. And that's the one that Brian was uh, actually using right about now. Yes, it is called the caliber. I see the stream. I'm still watching the stream, so uh, I'm not Yay. too disheartened. At this point, I- I've accepted. I've gone through all the stages of grief. <laughs> <laughs> about that bug. But uh yeah, so you have like a basic ship like the caliber, which is your kind of shmuppy, shooty, pew-pew shoots two things and that's it. And then there's a shield minion. There is um there's a lot of fun ones. We actually have a Mardi Gras-inspired minion called the Crew, based off of uh Mardi Gras floats, which are run by organizations literally called Crews. And I don't know if we kept this specific uh, stat modifier, but the more ships you have in your fleet any crew minion will actually have a multiplier on its damage. Because the whole thing about Mardi Gras was you have a giant parade and you have all these floats coming through. So we had this idea of like, (laughs) what's what's the most Louisiana thing we can do with this ship? So it it literally looks like a Mardi Gras float. And the more ships you have in your fleet, it multiplies the damage of any of those specific kinds of minions uh, based on the total number of your fleet. So we have fun ones like that. We have one that I always really liked called the Molotov, which one of our programmers, I don't know how he came up with the idea for this, but it's freaking badass. It shoots kind of like a shotgun and uh, or more like a grenade launcher, I should say. So it shoots a shot which explodes on impact and then spins around your entire fleet like twice before disappearing. It's awesome if you get like 20 of them. It is, You're just unstoppable. So we have a lot of different ships that do a lot of different things, and we had to rebalance them a lot. We, we still had bugs going into launch with some of the ships just not working the way they should, but we ironed them all out, and we think that we came up with a good variety of different kinds of ships that you can add to your badass little fleet in our weird little game.
0: One thing I love when you add ships is, I wanted to ask you about this, they each have unique names. Like, Philip and Eduardo and all these crazy things. How does that work? Because I kind of love how they're all named.
1: Oh, okay. So this is, you know, if I had to pick one thing in close order that I really liked that wasn't a core mechanic... I, I would say it's the names because it's adorable. Because you just make a little fleet, you're like, "Oh, there's Philip! Oh God, Philip! Don't die!" Like that's basically what we would see people doing whenever they play tested our game. So. Um, that's something that we implemented almost a year ago. I destroyed my savings account and flew several of the tour team members down to Lafayette for a week of work, which sounds not fun, but it was a blast getting to meet everybody face-to-face and be in the same room for several days. But that was one of the the products of that little concentrated period of work, Was someone was like, well, what if we could name the ships? And then we kind of talked about it. And the way that it works is this extraordinarily... Weird system where we have this massive text file. It's like hard coded into the game, so you can't actually find it in the uh, game files or anything. So you can't just go look for it. But it's a list of like a notepad file of like 90,000 first names. So anytime that you spawn a ship, it is a one in 90,000 chance that that name would be picked. Wait, what? Yeah, so there are like 90,000 name
0: options. No, Night I didn't even know there were 90,000 names.
1: Uh we didn't either. <laughs> we we basically crowdsourced a lot of uh name things. And uh, I, I, you know, I really don't know what to call it, but we, there are like websites where you can find like text files of like basic names around the world, and we came up with a total of like ninety thousand with all the ones that we found. Uh, and this is not super appropriate, but we we were glad that we tested that because the first minion we ever purchased with that naming system was Adolf, and we're like, yep, we're
0: gonna, <laughs> we're gonna
1: filter out that list a little bit. And it's like, it oh, no. 1 in 90,000 chance that that would be the first ship that ever appeared. I don't so, know.
0: Of course. I, mean, I, I mean, is Adolf that horrible a name just by, I mean, I know. There used a, to be,
3: in Ohio, where I used to live, there was actually a restaurant in town called Adolf's. It was like a pizza gallery, so.
0: Yeah, I, I would feel bad for other Adolf's if, like, their name was forever besmirched. Uh, by that one guy.
1: Yeah, and some of our those lists had other ones too that were like complete full on names. Like they had like Mao Zedong and stuff, and it's supposed to be like specifically first names. So we we quickly were like, I think one of our programmers just could not stop laughing because he had to spend like thirty minutes filtering out like typing in every dictator's name he could think of, and they were all in there. So we had to spend time specifically taking out some of those uh, more touchy names. But yeah, every minion that you see is one of a list of ninety thousand. Names and basically, whenever uh, you buy a minion, it sort of checks against that list and makes sure that none of the ones that you have in your fleet are currently being used so uh i don't I don't I think that was a terrible butchering of the English language um, <laughs> It checks to make sure that the ones that are currently in use. Um, aren't being picked for the next selection. So uh, right now, we have lots of excellent names in this fleet, like Jalila. And if you bought another one, it would not be Jelilah. So it would like the other 89,999 uh, that are in the list, you're going to get one of those other names. So it's just something that we thought of in you know, an afternoon and said, you know what? That would be a lot of fun. What if, what if the minions were more personal? And through a weird train of events, it ended up in the game.
0: No, it's, pr- it's pretty awesome. Now, how big can your fleet get, ultimately? You can get up to 40 spaces. Four oh, it's a That's Yes. That's a, that's a ton of ships.
1: That is a ton of ships. And that's <laughs> the whole thing, is you go from this single ship with a few spaces to a ship with 40 badass minions at your side. And that's the whole idea. We wanted you to have that sort of power transition of, like, you start out weak, but by the end, you're like a badass fleet
0: so do your minions have like any of their own ai like i know i i I know the enemy has ai i do want to hear about that too but like do the minions like have their own ui where they'll do a pre programmed thing like because i haven't seen all the minions yet or they do they just like fire when you fire or do a thing when you push a button
1: they do not have ai they are all controlled by the player ship because we actually did talk about that for a while and uh well, I, I guess I could talk about that. I mean, exclusive world first on the Space Game Junkie podcast. What? what? Exclusive I thought they were reveal. all going to be like
2: personality cores from GLaDOS <laughs> hovering around you. That was actually in the first build of Close Order. Oh, No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, uh yeah, so world exclusive first, we actually did toy around uh when we were sort of still stuck in that old part system that I described uh, earlier. We were toying around with how to improve it because we saw a clear design problem that, you know, m- constantly mashing the right click in order to build a ship was not very fun or intuitive and we're just thinking of a different way to do it and someone uh proposed an idea that was pretty radical and we even prototyped it but it never got too far past some basic placeholder stuff. But there was a point in Close Order's development where the ships had AI. And what would happen during that period is, um, I believe I specifically used the phrase next-level Pikmin kind of shit I can remember <laughs> describing that to a friend. <laughs> that was specifically what I told him, and he's like, "Oh man, that's gonna be great.
0: That's gonna be my new band name. Next level Pikmin type kind of shit. That's my. Oh man,
1: was well, my can new say band that. name. You heard it here first. Next great indie band."
0: <laughs> <laughs> great. but
1: uh but but that was really the the best way i can think to describe it because you it, you still had the player ship so the ship was modeled at that point and we basically had these like uh, very prototyped simple orbs that were different colors that represented the ships and um like i said it was very early and we didn't think of design constraints so you could just spawn as many as you wanted <laughs> And you press 1, 2, or 3 and you could spawn a different kind of minion for each of them and we had 3 in the prototype. We had one that just spun around you and kind of served as a buffer from other ships getting close to you. We had one that would kind of uh go from the edge of that little spinning circle and go out and attack something and fly back and then we, I think we had another that was kind of like an exploding grenadier type thing that shot like explosive shots in all directions and it was really interesting and it was very different and there's a part of me that really wishes we could have done something with it but ultimately at the end it wasn't very fun because as you mentioned it's so exciting to go into that 40 ship badass fleet mode like you worked to unlock that fleet and kill all these enemies and survive all these levels and unlock all these ships, and it contributes to this feeling of progression, which unfortunately, having the AI ships did not. So it was something that was very painful to not go with, but it ultimately led to the system that we have today. And some of the ideas behind that are reflected in the enemy AI because the minions were based off of something called Boids, which is a programming concept invented, I think it was in the 60s or something. It's like bizarre, I don't understand how they did that back then, but it was based on birds. So they
0: wait, wait, wait. Birds? Yeah, I, birds. Look,
1: I, I, Yes, I can't explain it exactly because I'm not the best for programming uh, explanations. But it's called Boids, and it's a programming system meant to simulate flocks of birds. And that is how the enemy systems in close order are structured. They literally, in terms of what your computer thinks it is, are based off an old-ass simulation that is still used in some games and software today – meant to represent flocks of birds. And that is how our enemy system works. Basically, these enemies just come at you in flocks and swarms.
0: Oh, that kind of makes sense, because whenever I was playing, at least the couple missions I was able to get through, they did seem like they were coming at me in massive flocks. So that makes sense.
1: Yeah. And so some of those systems were sort of resurrected out of the old minion AI system, uh, not directly, but in in a very basic form. So it did ultimately help us in the game later on.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. Now, um, the game does have a story. Uh, We were talking about a little bit, but it's, it's not like it doesn't interrupt the missions like you were talking about, but there is a story. Can you kind of give us an inkling of that story?
1: Absolutely. So, Remember that raconteur is a French word for storyteller. So everything we do has to have some sort of significant story component. And in a game that is a shmup and a bullet hell game, you might think, "All right, what what what's that doing here?" I'd get that out of my game. So in Close Orders world, it is set in an alternate reality where in the 1960s and 70s we discovered nuclear power and the whole world became dependent on it. In after the um, after we set foot on the moon in 1969, we kept going in this alternate timeline. We colonized Mars in the early 1970s, and we kind of expanded throughout the
0: solar system. And oh then you man, get... I want to live in this alternate timeline. I
1: know, isn't it so
0: cool? It sounds we were... awesome. We
1: just kind of sat down and said, "Man, well, what would it be like if we didn't stop after the moon? Like, what if we got to Mars in the 70s, like they said we would?" And that just kind of it spitballed and uh, snowballed from there. Excuse yeah, me. Yeah,
0: like why did we stop? Like, there's never been like a really good explanation. side
3: side tangent to that though speaking of mars elon musk apparently is gonna land something in 2018 on on mars so
1: dude elon musk is the greatest real life bond villain i'm just waiting for the day (laughs) he goes bad i'm
0: just waiting
3: either that or he's the real life tony stark one of the two
0: maybe he's both does civil war go see it does he live in a volcano oh i already have my tickets for civil war (laughs) are you kidding me
2: yeah already it purchased. is definitely some really cool Di- stuff didn't mean for the I tangent can, but yes yeah yeah i could totally absolutely. see a movie where it's you, like you elon know? musk versus john mcafee
1: <laughs> Oh my god!
2: <laughs> civil war
3: is that
1: basically the plot
0: of kung fury versus a bear oh kung fury oh yes i'm still <sighs> waiting for my blu-ray of that i i, I need to own it i can't, i totally back that kickstarter Oh, absolutely. Oh, God.
1: I did say Uh that I basically came back here. Gonna need some action. (laughs) (laughs) I did basically say on the forum that I came back here to talk about Kung Fury, so we'll get to that. But to directly finish answering the story question, (laughs) uh, so in the 1970s, we colonized Mars, and we kept going through the solar system, and everything was great. Humanity had dispersed off of Earth a little bit. Uh, we, we extended our reach to get past uh, the solar system and have these other great colonies and things. But then in the art of narrative, something had to go awry and a nuclear accident in the 1980s caused the Earth's atmosphere to start igniting and the governments of Earth had to get together and say, alright, time to pack it up and get out of here. So It's they tried always to- <laughs>
2: the 80s. And then, it's always and the like, 80s. They were like, get out of here, sucker." basically
3: i mean it's not chernobyl uh, he had to but... fit it in he had to fit it in there it is
2: that's it
0: <laughs> wait what was it i missed
3: it
2: oh he, he made reference. a stalker reference oh of course he did well cuz chernobyl right so you know
1: i mean it's not chernobyl but it, it's kind of Chernobyl
3: i'm not saying it's <laughs> Thargoids, but it's Thargoids. <laughs> that's it definitely <laughs>
1: So that's why we say a nuclear accident in the 1980s. So it's not specifically Chernobyl in our timeline. But of course, we, we took some liberties of going off of real history to sort of tie it into like an alternate timeline sort of feeling. And this nuclear accident happened and the governments of Earth decided uh, in order to not have all of humanity die, we're going to Um, evacuate as many people as possible, and spread in all directions, and hope that enough people can make it to other colonies, new planets, stuff like that, in order to survive. Earth, unfortunately, is lost to the flames, and then dramatic fade. And then the actual game picks up about a generation later, so about 20, 25 years, and there's this little colony that doesn't have a name, uh, because we never came up with the name. (laughs) It's just the colony. And there are these three characters, Mary, Abe, and Shakur, and they each have their own little backgrounds. And long story short, um, we didn't really get to go into this as much as I wished, but like I said, we had to restructure parts of the game because it was too story focused. The idea was that there's these three characters on this colony, and they sort of all run into each other and end up not stuck together, but on the same path as they leave this colony so the ships that were sent from earth to these other colonies that's what the main ship is, and the uh, main ship is called the Nadezhda, which is Russian for hope. And it was originally one of those lifeboat type ships. And there's this scientist who named uh, his name was Chakor, and he was the leading scientist on the colony. And he had this sort of pet project where he built a lot of structures on the colony's um, establishment, and he built a lot of the buildings and no, the no, not the
3: establishment, uh, man, the
1: establishment, man. I'm, I'm struggling for words. I, I don't even know how to describe it because I'm so excited because I never get to talk about this part of the game. Um, and so Chakor comes up with this sort of robotics factory that he built into like the side of this old lifeboat, which, plot twist, that becomes the player's ship. And then Chakor meets Abe, who is the uh, colony's like, chief of security. He's a real funny guy. And then there's Mary, who's kind of like the mayor of the colony. And she's kind of like... Uh, Operations, logistics, kind of stuff. So three really different kind of characters. And long story short, uh, Chakor wants to leave the colony, and Mary gets pissed and tries to have him arrested by Chakor, uh, not Chakor by Abe. And then they all realize, wait, what if? What if there's still humans out there? Why are we staying on this colony? What if? We could go look for them and find them and see for ourselves if what they told us about this old Earth planet, because they were born off of Earth, what if, what if it was true? What if we could find the remnants of this old humanity? So in the middle of the night, they sneak off, and they go into the cosmos. And that is where Close Order begins.
2: And then they meet Charles Barkley, who has ended <laughs> up there after doing the uh, chaos dunk and yes. destroying. Yes,
0: I forgot all about that game. That's oh my god, amazing. I forgot about that. Yeah, because it's got oh a story god. like
2: that too. It's like you know Barkley and, and Blood Moses and the, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> the agents awesome. of Ultra. Rem- and, remind yeah. people which game that is, because I don't remember which game is that. Um, that is uh, Shut Up and Jam Gaiden. <laughs>
0: yes wait, sh- wait, Shut Up and Jam Gaiden.
2: Gaiden, yeah, it's like it's it's like the old Shut Up and Jam basketball game. But then they made a Japanese RPG out of it, starring Charles Barkley, in a post-apocalyptic world where basketball has been made illegal, because Barkley chaos-dunked and destroyed Paris. And, yeah.
3: What? Probably one of the funniest things to ever happen, ever.
2: If you you just go to Wikipedia and look it up, and it gives the entire story that you can read there at one time in the show, (laughs) and... Oh, God.
3: I just posted a link to a YouTube video for the official Shut Up and Jam Gaiden trailer.
2: <laughs> you just have to... No, the chaos dunk. That's that's the thing. Brian the needs to show dunk. the chaos dunk. No, no, no. Like
3: you you watch. You just watch the intro. Like You just read the intro. It's like, Survivors fell into poverty and had to witness the realms of their former home fall into the hands of twisted leaders.
1: <laughs> this sounds beautifully Some terrible. Some
3: came to call it Neo New York. What <laughs> I call it the ruins of a once great city where the strong <laughs> bully the weak for what few neo shackles they've got. Neo shackles, dear God! Dude. My name is Dude. Charles Barkley, and this is my story. Oh my God! <laughs> it
0: does not start like that. a yes, no
3: bullshitting. Read the, watch that link on the trailer. It's amazing. I will watch it later. I'll Chapter put it, we'll one. Also the put hoops it up Barkley the saga. <laughs>
2: That sounds so the, like the best
1: story I've ever So the heard.
2: Chaos Dunk, right, is where he <laughs> he leaps into the air. You have to charge meter like all the way up like this is your ultra attack, right? And then he leaps into the air and like goes up and up and up and like out of the atmosphere and then does reentry and slam dunks the basketball and it's like a nuclear bomb. And uh, <laughs> There you go. There's the link yes. right there
3: in chat. There it is.
2: Oh to the man. To the chaos oh, no. dunk.
3: Chaos dunk. It's uh, it's the best thing. He's ever. like,
2: he's like falling down, and they're playing like air raid sirens and shit. That's yes. beautiful. Thank you. Oh, I'm God. just
0: copying it.
1: I just, <laughs> <laughs> I just clicked it. I just because I have to put it
0: in the show
3: notes.
1: <laughs> now he's, I'm regretting. He's in the cosmos.
0: Not,
3: He's I'm regretting the
1: not having a chaos dunk in the game.
3: Oh, my gosh. For all those who okay, are watching and watch, listening, just oh Google God. chaos dunk and be amazed.
0: This will also be in the show notes. Um, just FYI. Don't worry. I'm, <laughs> I'm, be, I am I'm got to get a hand to you guys. You guys were right about push to talk, and I was wrong. Because now I'm able to like copy and paste this and save it as a note and not bother anybody. I'm so stupid. So you guys are right, and I was wrong.
2: It's okay. You would hear, you know, you would hear me tap you promise, dancing. So. But I have pushed a talk on, so <laughs> you won't hear me. I told you so. <laughs> so it's a lot back, like the Carlton.
0: So, getting back to close order, uh, how is the story laid out? Looks like there are a couple of hubs. Someone was asking about that, too. Centauri Mudpick yes. was asking about that. So, how is the story laid out for the player? So
1: there's two ma- uh, ugh, sorry, can't talk I'm I'm restart. <laughs> <There's-> <laughs> I'm just so excited! All the words came either. out at once. I can't either. <laughs> so there's two story hubs in the game, and the hubs sort of build off of each other. You have to complete one in order to unlock the other. The first story hub is kind of centered on this idea of old Earth, so finding these remnants of humanity, and it, it basically, if you like. The idea, when we sort of envisioned the story behind Hub World 1, was what if you just let humanity do on their own for like 20 years? No supervision. They're they're in this new frontier. No one's watching them or enforcing anything. How would they organize themselves? What What would they do? How would things end up? And that was kind of the inspiration behind the first Hub World. There's several different missions. Uh, There's one where you find a, what I'm most proud of. It's, uh, I think it's called Parasite. I don't know what the actual order is in the final game, but the technical name for the dev team was H1E3, Hub 1, Episode 3. And you find this old, like, destroyed space station. And turns out that there was this horrible parasitic infection. That infected all of the people who tried to get into the station's escape pods. So you're actually destroying the escape pods in that level. So, and that's just a very weird, interesting little story thing we did there. We have one level where there's this space emperor who has decided to like declare himself the new emperor of mankind and he has these like Roman Empire esque like architecture and statues and stuff. It's just really weird, which is why I love it. And we even have a Mardi Gras level where you go to this city that is like a French settlement and basically there's all these spaceships watching you and uh, they basically motion you over to go grab these special minions for the level which are like parade float type minions you get three different ones only for this level and this crazy weird high speed jazz starts playing and you have to kill enemies so quickly that you maintain the crowd's buzz and they keep being excited because that's what Mardi Gras is actually like And, uh, yeah, it's just a weird collection of ideas of of what weird, interesting paths would humanity go down if something like this actually happened. So we just kind of had fun with it and came up with a lot of uh, interesting little ideas that were off the beaten path. And for the second hub world, it's a little more condensed. It's only three levels. It follows the story arc of the main characters trying to build this time warp device called the tele And it was something that they encountered in Old Space Traders' Tale. And there were several parts to it, and at the first two missions you're assembling it, you complete the level and you unlock the part, and in the final mission, it's basically stripped out of something you would see in 2001 A Space Odyssey. You're putting together the these parts in this really weird, trippy environment with this crazy music, and you go through. So that's kind of like the whole idea of Close Order, was it's just a lot of really weird ideas that we put together, and a game came out of it.
0: So what, there's about uh, do, uh, it sounds like what? I, I lost count. A dozen or so missions? <laughs> a dozen or so missions?
1: Let's see. There's five missions in Hub World 1. There's three missions in Hub World 2. And then we have two survival maps. So there's eight missions and ten survival maps. The survival maps are – everything is pretty replayable, but survival was built with the intention of let's boot it up for five minutes and just build a fleet, lose it, and go play something else. So that's kind of the idea behind that.
0: I was going to ask about that. I was going to ask what the varied game modes are because I didn't remember – uh, so there's the story mode and there's the survival mode, and there are uh, what, 10 survival maps you said? There are two. Oh, two? <laughs> Significant thought, why, difference! <laughs> why did I think you said 10? I thought you said two. Uh, I, I I'm was sorry. so
1: excited. I was so excited. All my words sound the same. It, it's understandable.
0: <laughs> so, uh, are you planning on adding any more maps
1: to the game? At this time, we have added all the content that we hope to add to the game because as we kind of talked about earlier, Close Order was a very, very complicated game to break. And Brian, I'm going to be 100% honest with you. The way that we managed to fix everything is not conducive to adding more variables into the mix.
0: Oh. And in, in,
1: in the interest of keeping the game stable and still fun, we unfortunately had to cap our content at the state that it currently is in. It, it's literally like a house of cards. If we tried to add in more levels and more features, the entire game just, just wouldn't really work.
0: Ah, uh, So it's meant to be like a, a condensed experience that you can jump into for a few minutes. Yes, absolutely. Shoot, shoot a bunch of crap and then be like, ah, I, I scratched that itch.
1: Exactly. That's 100% what we were going for. You know, I look at some people who in our community who have played the game for like 16 hours and I'm like, shit, I don't know if I've even played the game for 16 hours over the two and a half years we made it. Uh, There are some people who just really like it and really like how they can jump in for five minutes or you know fight against endless waves for two hours if they wanted to. So it it gives you options in the sense of you can build your fleet however you want, customize it, and you can customize what kind of battles you want if you want to do endless waves, if you want to uh, customize the way that the enemies come at you because there's two versions of survival. There's simple survival, which is kind of like predetermined waves and after four or five waves it'll just kick you back to the hub world that's your quick little thing and then there's custom chaos where you can um, decide which level so the volcano world or the black hole you can choose the volume of enemies in the level so it's kind of like a, a few an average amount or a ton and the types of those so if you want like really simple ships average ships hard ships, and then the difficulty which i'm sure at this point uh same thing it's like you know not too bad, average, and I believe the hardest difficulty is called "Badass," and it has like the hardest ships in the game. So there's there's a lot of different options based on if you want to play it for you know five minutes or you know five hours, like some people do.
0: And then that's and I see where it said in the chat. Yeah, he says the perfect shmup duration is generally around twenty minutes, and he's he's not wrong about that. I mean, a shmup is something you you usually just want to play real quick, you know, and and you want. The best shmups are the ones where you never last very long, you know, like the arcade shmups where you're like, you know, there for three minutes. Oh, God, I died next quarter. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. And you know, that that's
1: very interesting that you bring it up and kudos to the guy in chat who brought that up because it's 100% true. We kind of ran into this backwards issue and uh, of, you know, you, we talk about like player engagement and stuff in, in the game industry and we want players to keep coming back to the game and to play it for longer periods and retaining your players and all that good stuff. But in a shmup, that's, that's not necessarily what you want to do. Like you want them to get in, do what they want to do and then stop. And it's not really something that you would want to play for eight hours on your day off. But that's just the nature of the beast. It's not as in-depth as The Witcher 3 or has as much customization as something of that nature. But it's a very succinct experience that knows what it is, and it it anticipates that you're going to be in for a smaller amount of time. So it's more bite-sized in that respect.
0: So I'm I'm garnering that, like you were saying earlier, you are – except for maybe the occasional bug fix like maybe this one – You're pretty much finished with the game as it is now.
1: Yes, we are fully working on our next project, which is unfortunately. Which is
0: what? what? You have to tell us right now. What is it? What is it?
1: I'll tell you. I'll tell you. But I'm just, before I say this, I'm going to preface this by saying that uh, I have to be able to come back because if you really think about it, all games are technically in space.
0: Just, oh, just, think, just think about that. Oh, deep, deep. No, if, just, it, if it's if it's like a submarine
2: game or something, we alright. This involve, like, Japanese schoolgirls or something? because <laughs> no, there's a no, lot of that no. on Steam it's right a, now. T- it's,
0: it's, it's a Beeb-17 bomber dating simulation. That's what it is. <laughs> oh, God, I saw oh, that. Oh, my God, that, that is,
1: would be... That is one of the most interesting things I've ever it's, seen. It's,
0: it's a bomber... No, 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 there's a, there is a tank dating simulator game. Oh, it's, I saw uh, that one, too. No, I I just made up the bomber one. I just totally made that up. But you are like World War II bombers dating each other? Like the Liberator really loves the B twenty nine. Like what?
2: <laughs> but no, like your if name? you look at if you look at Steam's recent re- release list, it's like a fever dream. I I just it's I don't all understand. over the place lately. Hey, movies, dude, because we're totally blockbuster
0: what? now. I- Ah. Well,
1: Steam is becoming more of an open platform, and that's kind of the result of that. Now, that means you're going to see a lot of terrible stuff coming in, and a lot of unrelated stuff like movies.
3: Meanwhile, at Apple, you get paid to get noticed. (laughs) Wow, Jim, did you
0: plan this? Because they're actually having an anime game sale this weekend. Did you plan? No,
2: I didn't.
0: I'm not kidding. The anime weekend
2: sale. FML, brother. I'm not even FML. (laughs)
0: Like, the first game on the list, Science Girl. I'm not even... And GOG G- is
2: looking better and better all the time. What about, what about a tentacle dating simulator? Uh,
0: oh, Jesus. Oh, yes, a tactic helicopter dating I sim. I mean, if you gym, play the
2: parasite yes. level of Close Order, there's a bunch of aliens or tentacles. I
0: mean, just go uh, by Close Order, man. Creepy. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> so, okay, what is your next game?
1: All right, so our next game, are you ready?
0: Uh, my body and my mind and my soul are, are all, all ready. of your bodies and minds and soul ready? My, my Look, I'm my,
3: soon going to be not ready anymore. I'm ready right now, so delay. <laughs> <up to>
1: <laughs> all right, all right. Because Close Order was a really weird game, so this one's even weirder. And I promise you I'm 100% dead serious when I say this. Some people are like, nah, that's not your next game. Wait, it is? All right. So it's an ASCII styled game. So ASCII, like the letters on your keyboard. Of course. The vertical and emotical. The vertical and horizontal. Oh my God, I can't even talk. (laughs) All right, let me back up. Let me redo the pitch. The vertical and horizontal emoticons are going to war, and you are the only one who can stop them by seeking out the great emote who contains the peacemaker, the ultimate device for saving the land. The entire game. Is built using ASCII symbols and it plays like a top down shooter. It's kind of like a cute Hotline Miami. Uh,
2: Interesting. Uh, when can I buy it? I you need should this. call it Asking Me No Questions, <laughs> I'll Tell You No Lies. <laughs> oh, oh, me
0: no questions?
2: <laughs> oh, no. Thank you for that.
0: Yep, the laugh
1: started. That's great. Laugh. That's
0: <laughs> great. <laughs>
1: Oh, man. Um, it's coming out this summer if we stay on track. We're looking at late June, early July currently. So th- where we currently are is we're almost at alpha. All of the content is basically built. Now we actually found, and believe it or not, this person exists. We didn't think they did, but we found him. We found an ASCII artist who specializes in ASCII art and you, you animation. Know what?
0: You know what? I'm not surprised. Have you seen, uh, there's a roguelike out there called um, Co- Cogmind. Have you seen it? I haven't. You You should, because the stuff they do with ASCII animation in that is freaking brilliant. Like, yes, there's also
2: a gorgeous. tank game that just came out on Steam that's an ASCII tank what, game. That's what's that? Really good. Uh what the heck is the name of that thing? Hold on.
0: ASCII attack?
2: Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so oh, you're like yeah. you're a tank going up a piece of tractor feed printer paper <laughs> shooting at other ASCII turrets and stuff and it's so damn well animated. Is it it's, good? It's amazing. Is it a good game. Yeah, well, okay, so there was an old arcade game that was very much like this where you had two joysticks and if you push the joysticks both to the left or the right, the tank would actually roll left or right, and if you pulled them both, you like opposite directions, um, the tank would rock backwards and you could so, fire it like artillery. And this is like a clone of that old arcade game just done with ASCII graphics.
0: Oh, so it wasn't battle zone, but it had the similar type of tank
2: controls? Yeah. Uh but the tank was actually like a futuristic space tank and it could like roll and do all kinds of stuff.
0: God, I don't remember that game at all, and I would have played that
2: in the arcade. Yeah, I've got it on MAME. i just got to remember what the heck it is.
1: That is really nifty. I'm looking at this right now. I, it, it does seem like that old game. I I think I've played the old one a long time ago.
0: Yeah, you need to see Cogmine, man. That will... Hang on, I'll get you a link.
1: That's awesome. But yeah, so it the best way to describe it would be sort of... Key, cute Hotline Miami with sort of the old school like single screen cell system of the original Legend of Zelda so in the sense of it's one screen and then you go to the edge and then it shifts over to the next one. Uh, We're doing that kind of thing as well. So it has an actual full story there's tons of dialogue and it's a wonderful weird little world that's like highly colorful which you don't always see in an ASCII themed game and uh, it tells a really much like close order. It's a really weird unique little experience that we see a a lot of promise in and i mean look what if i like name an npc brian can i come back on the show for
0: it i don't know if you can come back on the show but uh we we can probably figure something out <laughs> we'll just I mean, do like a random right, we could do right. a, well it might not be a podcast thing but it could de- we could definitely do like a random like i i sometimes do non-space games and i call them down to earth um because you know <laughs> that's great there's a lot of we all love games, it doesn't have to be always space games, so I do cross pollinate every now and again, so I uh,
1: understand,
0: <laughs> sorry, so um, so yeah, i we could do something,
1: yeah, so all right, Brian, right here, right now, what does space game mean? I need to know because I still don't know what it means,
0: oh, um. Basically, I try and define it as a game where space is a major factor in the gameplay. Like, if you're just running around a space station and not doing anything in space, you could be running around a mall, for all I know. You know what I mean? So space has to be something of a factor. If it has the, a spaceship in, in it. That, that's helpful. But, like, if you're running around a derelict spaceship and you're not actually flying the spaceship, for example, I... That's less in my mind a space game, more like general sci fi where you know, if you're not actually interacting with space in some way, like flying through it or floating through it or something, then like you could be in a like a like a colony on a planet and that's like I don't know, it's it's a little weird, but mostly it's your
1: definition with- makes sense. You see that is what I would reasonably call a space game. Yeah. I never I never told you guys the story of why I can't stand the term space game. Even why? Even though it's the title of your wait, show. Wait. Okay, why? Okay, so long story short, we tried so hard to get Close Order into the indie booth at PAX and a Penny Arcade Expo. And the time that we were so close to making it, we got cut at the very end. And I was very disappointed. You know, I wasn't mad. These people, uh, they're smart people and they pick lots of great games. They get featured and ultimately become very successful. So I was just curious. I said, you know, we put in all this time and effort. We had a really good application. We had a solid demo of the game. This was, uh, we submitted it right around the time we came on the show here. And I get the email back and he said, well, we saw a lot of improvement with Close Order. We like what we saw But there were too many space games submitted this year. What? That was the response. There were too many space games submitted this year. So close Uh, order. The most, the least interesting aspect of our game is that it's in space. Like, let's be one hundred percent honest. Yeah, it could
0: be. It could be on the ocean. It'd be the same. You know, it. It could be. You could make the spaceships into rhinoceroses that shoot things out of their horns. (laughs) It'd be it, as long as it controlled the same, and you had minions. It'd be, it'd be it's the same. It's the, it, just, it would be the same thing. It's just most shmups are either in space or in the air, basically, you know.
1: Yeah, and uh we got turned down from PAX because of that. And and now oh, it is Jesus. I, I know. And I'm just like, you know, and I hold nothing against them. It, it's competitive. They get a lot of submissions and it it's just it it just doesn't make sense to me. Like that's the defining characteristic? Like it's in space and there were too many games in space that year. I mean, if they're all in space and the mechanics are good, who cares if it's in space?
0: You know, it's kind of interesting that we have that quote-unquote problem now. Because five years ago, we would... Th- that would have been laughed at if someone said there are too many space games. What? Come on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have an That's... entire website and showing community about space games. You know, there's just so much well, space now.
0: I don't know if I told you, but when I started this, it was... The site was inspired by a blog. Um, I forget the name of the author, but it's called the CRPG Addict. And he basically is playing through all the PC-based RPG games in like chronological order. So that was, uh, that's what I was planning to do because there were no space games coming out. But there were a lot of space games I had not played. Either they were before I got a DOS computer or I just missed them. So I'm like, you know what? This will be a fun journey to take. And then all of a sudden, these space games start coming out. Like, what the hell? <laughs> it was it was like when 2012 happened and, and Chris Roberts I know, guys, but was, let me finish. Um, when Chris Roberts announced Star Citizen and whatnot, I was like, what's going on here?
3: I smell like, sulfur. Do you guys smell I'm sulfur? Smell sulfur?
0: <laughs> I'm not saying his name three times. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> when uh, When that happened, it was like, wait a minute. I was like, I thought the site was going to be just talking about the old games, but that's completely not what's happened. Now we have all these new games coming out. So it's really just it's, and there's going to be a cycle. I know it where in five years, it's going to be, you know, there's going to be another free space too. And it's going to sell 20,000 copies. And people are going to say space games are dead. And you know, we'll have a slowdown again, but right now it's what the hell I'm not complaining. It's just so confusing.
1: (laughs) I know. I in know. the
0: best possible way. <laughs> yeah, and, and that you know, that was the day that I
1: realized something, you know, very important, as as crestfallen as I was to not get into packs, especially after all the time we put in, in, into our submission and making it something that was fun for the judges to, you know, actually play through and look at. It made me realize something very, very important about marketing our game is that regardless of how much I did not want to admit it, people were gonna look at our game and say, That's a space game. Not a schmop, not a shooter, not a bullet hell, but a space
2: game.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it is kind of the most um, prevalent thing on the screen of the game is space. I mean, your ships don't take up a ton of space in the game, so so that, that kind of makes sense. Um, but yeah, I think I'm out of questions. Do you guys have anything else? No, I'm I'm good. This is this has been a trip. This has been a real trip. And so the next game, what was the name of this game? I don't remember if you said it. What was the name of this game coming out in June?
1: June or July? Summer June, ish. July. <laughs> summer summerish. ish uh, summer Coming
0: this summer-ish
1: <laughs> by Michael way,
3: in, in a world. The ASCII game you never thought you needed. But you actually do because I'm it's a- Explosive.
0: I miss that guy so the trailer guy. I miss him so. I think Don. Something. Yeah, that's not a thing anymore. They don't well, no, really he, do he that. passed. He passed away, and so oh. like I, th- I think when he passed away many years ago, people were like, "We can't do this anymore. It just doesn't work anymore." Because he was no. the guy. He was the guy. You know, he was the guy. Don something. Anyway, uh, so what's the name of this game coming out in summeresque? <laughs> It's called Traitor,
1: and not traitor like betraying your friends. Traitor. <laughs> it's spelled like traitor instead of O-R. It's E-U-R, and I will link it in the chat. And if you actually... Uh, we were lazy and forgot to take down a sign-up form, but I will extend it through tonight for all the wonderful Space Game Junkie community. If you sign up on the webpage I'm about to link in the YouTube chat, you can oh. be entered to win a free copy.
0: You can't link it in the chat. Only a- only admins can. Link it in Mumble, and I'll link it. Oh,
1: man. You killed my, my, my momentum, Sorry. man. It was going. It was I don't going. know.
0: You, YouTube is a little strict in that regard.
1: I've been denied text message privileges in the channel.
0: Whoa! <laughs> what Bam. did you do? Oh man, I broke it. What did you I do? I broke it. Damn it. <laughs> oh, you broke YouTube. God damn it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so no, hit oh, the uh God.
0: put the link in the mumble and I'll put it in the um in the thing. I am
1: putting it in Mumble. It says I'm denied privileges in this channel.
2: What? Oh, that's that's, that's fantastic. Hold uh, on, you're banned from our magical uh, kingdom. <laughs> Hold on a second.
0: That's so ridiculous. I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> I can
0: uh, email anyway. it to you. Okay, email it to me. But um, folks, uh, I, dude, I want Nick. I want to thank you for uh, taking the time uh, on a Thursday. Because, and we, remember, we switched these days for you, man, so you're worth it. Um oh, so sweet. Thank you. I know. I know. We're just little piles of sugar over here. <laughs> um, wow, I don't know what the hell that was.
2: Uh, <laughs> that was about a pound of butter there.
0: <laughs> I'm laughing so hard I can't take my fingers off the push to talk button. You, you um, went
2: full Paula Dean. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I did, didn't I? <laughs>
0: Um, so yeah, uh, then I want to thank you for, uh, taking the time to join us. Now, Nick, where can people find you online, like on Twitter and whatnot?
1: So, if you would like to find me online, you can find me on Twitter at Chief Rackenture. So, if you don't know our name, uh, you can look in the description and just put Chief in front of Rackentur, and that's me on Twitter. Rackentur is Rackentur Dev, so just Rackentur with Dev after it. Uh, someone claimed Rackentur Games years ago and never tweeted or logged in again.
3: So, <gasps> <What>? Racken- yeah, <laughs> Rackentur and Grits, Rackentur and stick. Grits. <laughs>
1: So, yeah, um, you can find Rackenture on Twitter at Rackenter Dev. You can find me on Twitter, Chief Rackenture. Go to our website, and you can sign up to get a free copy of our next game, Traitor, this summer. Weird little ASCII game. And, yeah. If you guys have any other questions, uh, you know, reach out to Brian, tweet us, leave me a comment on the website, send me a smoke signal, build me a space game. I don't know. Do something and we will respond.
3: Throw a little raconteur on the Bobby.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, my southernness only comes out if I'm really excited because I'm just so passionate about being here with you guys.
0: No, we we always enjoy having you. It's we, we're definitely gonna we'll definitely find a way to bring you back when Trey Tear Trey comes uh, <laughs> comes out. Um, so that's where they can find you. You can find uh, me ab- obviously on Twitter at Space Game Junkie.
3: Jim and Hunter, where can they find you guys again? Under a rock? Jim, Jim Jim no longer has a public Twitter, and I am Hunter Hacks. That's Hunter H four X. Oh, okay.
0: So, Jim, if if people want to read your musings and whatnot, where can they find you then?
2: Um, in our oh. Facebook group, basically.
0: Okay, yeah, folks, we have a very active Facebook group. We we just crossed, I think, two hundred members recently, and it's it's the joint is jumping. Let's just. say. It's time
2: that we had a purge, actually.
0: No, no,
2: no. I don't okay. think. Okay. Let the purge <laughs> commence. <Uh-oh. laughs> Drama in the
1: space
0: game junkie group i feel happy (laughs) anyway (laughs) no uh yeah we have a very active um group over on facebook and if you go to spacegamejunkie.com you can find not only links to all the groups facebook twitter but links to the patreon and all this other fun stuff uh so i want to thank you nick for taking the time to join us now, Thank uh, you before for we... having me. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Now, folks, next week on the podcast, you may remember a little while back we were supposed to have a guest, a developer of Stellar Tactics, but uh, if you recall, uh, he never showed. Uh, he was helping his daughter with his homework.
3: Yeah, so, we're gonna we're gonna give that guy swift talking to.
0: We're we're gonna bring him back next week uh, to talk kidding. about to talk about his game, his currently kickstarted game. Kickstarting game, excuse me, stellar tactics. The pro- now the only downside is there's no playable build for us. So that you makes should, it,
1: you should just play close order again.
0: It, it makes it well, it makes it hard. We can't ask the right questions if we play the wrong game. <laughs> so uh so Don, why is your shooter uh not working, Craig in my uh my resolution? Oh <laughs> like, what are you, ta- you went there. He'll be talking. he'll uh, be like, what are you talking about? No, um <laughs> So, you know, we're going to be hopefully asking good questions, even though we can't touch the game sadly. So uh, that's next week. We're back on Tuesday next week. Um, So uh, stay tuned for that. And we'll see you then. Thanks, everyone, for watching and for listening. And uh, have a great night and weekend. Bye-bye.
2: Bye-bye. Bye.